You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of Your Two Dads. Today we have a very special episode because Sean's not here, so that's fun. A lot less arguing. Uh, Sean is working, kids. He can't come home for dinner. He's got to stay out and work, so he... uh, we got to do this show without him. Fortunately, I have so much help today, and I am so excited. We have a very special Julian-centric episode today. Um, later on in the episode, I interview my own father. He met me out on the road in North Carolina. We had a nice long chat about his parenting techniques, what he remembers from being a young dad, and uh, that's a really great conversation. But right now, we also have a very special – I have two of my most special guests – uh, we have Meg, who I've talked about, my partner, my lady, my favorite person. Hi. And co-host of The Soft Spot, yep. the other podcast. And then we have, uh, do you want to introduce Lulu? Say hi, my name is Lulu. Hi, my name is Lulu. And we have Lulu here, who you guys have heard us talk about <laughs> a little bit. Hi, Lulu. How are you doing today? Good. Good. And Meg, how are you doing? I'm good. It's, I guess, I don't know what to call it if it's not your two dads. It's your parents. Your two, your two parents. <laughs> your two parents, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. <clears throat> Lulu, what's it like to talk into a microphone? Good. You like it? Yeah. It feels natural? Yeah. Good. Um, what did we do today, Lulu? What was your day like today? It was like that we, we were in the. In the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we live in Los Angeles, and we were in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at my dad's house today, but now I'm at my mom's house. Uh-huh. And... Where did we go today? We went to the... To the... Where'd we go? We went to... Where? We you, went, where did you eat something today? We went eating at what's that place called? It's again? a diner. It's called Swingers Diner. Swingers Diner. Yeah, and what did you have? And I had an egg and a pancake. Yeah, and I ate half your pancake, right? Right. Because that's the Papa tax. Yeah, <laughs> Papa. <laughs> <laughs> Only two things certain in this life. Um, so we had, uh, we had a wonderful lunch and then we went to the American, American girl store. The American girl American doll, doll, store, doll right? store, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were going to get my sister American g- doll. Yeah. I hope she's not listening. You, <laughs> we you don't want to ruin it. Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lulu, how would you rate, um, mama as a parent? I would write... Uh, is she a good? Is she a good mama? Is she a bad mama? Is she a, a good, great mama? She's a great mama. She is a great mama, right? Right. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about mama? She cooks food very nice. She does. She does. <laughs> she does more than She's that. She's a Michelin though. star mama. <laughs> mama cleans the dishes. Here. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Papa <laughs> does most of the dishes. Because Papa can't cook, so Papa does the dishes. 
What do you What do you think What do you think parents do when you're not around? That's a good question. Like, I just do. I just like to. No, what do you think we do? Like, when you go to bed, what do you think that we do? Yeah. What do you think goes on after you go to sleep? I don't know. You don't know? You never think about it? No. What about when you're at school? What do you think we're doing? Do you think we're partying? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. And just shopping? Yeah. And, like, being crazy? Yeah. Yeah? Can, yeah. You, are you excited to grow up, or do you want to stay a kid? I want to stay a kid. Yeah? What do you like, being about, what do you like most about being a kid? Um, being five. Yeah, that's pretty BM5, sweet. Being five, five is rules. Pretty sweet. Rules pretty hard, right? Do you want to give any shout outs? Do you want to say hello to anybody that might be listening? Like, uh, who's a classmate that you want to say hi to? Um, I don't know. You don't have a favorite? Iggy. Iggy. Yeah. Iggy, if you're listening, <laughs> Lulu says hello. Okay, well, we'll, uh, We'll wrap it up soon with you, Lulu. I just want to know, what do you think you were a good girl this year for Christmas? Um, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You weren't ever bad this year? Do you think Santa Claus was watching you when you were a bad girl? No. No? <laughs> what was he doing? He just, he just doesn't pay attention when you're a bad girl. He just lets it slide. Yeah. Really? Really. Oh, okay. What do you think Santa does when Mama's a bad girl? I think she does, and I think he does give her some ice. Some ice? <laughs> She's going to give what, her ice. Okay. That's pretty good. That's, all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you saw Frozen 2 in the movie theater with us, right? Yeah. And one of the things we like to do on this show, because it's for parents, is yeah. to review movies and tv shows for kids to see if they're any good so (coughs) (laughs) so how would you rate frozen 2 do you think people should go see frozen 2 and what or or not and what do you think and what were your favorite parts my favorite part was when she was at the beach Uh uh-huh i don't remember that yeah she was at a beach yeah remember were we watching the same movie no she was at the the waves when it was dark. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, and then what? An- she, didn't she make an animal come out? Yeah, it was what? a horse. Mm-hmm. So do you think Frozen 2 is a good movie and people should go see it? Or do you think people should go see something else? I think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think parents would like it? Um, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What's what? your least favorite part of the movie? What part didn't you like as much? I didn't really like... When I when she, when when um I don't know. It's all good. Yeah, it was all it's good. You can't perfect. think of a bad part. No. All right, they did it again. They knocked it out of the park. Yeah, Frozen wow. Two. Did you like the songs? Yeah. The songs from the first Frozen or the second Frozen? Which one's better? Second Frozen. The second Frozen songs are better. Wow. Oh. See, I'm more of a purist myself. Hot take. I like the I like the first Frozen. What do you think is the best kid movie you've ever seen? Um, I don't know. Well, do you think The Incredibles or Hotel Transylvania is better? I think The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what about 
Do you think B movie? B movie. Which she loves. I know. <laughs> she loves B movie. She's seen it, I swear, a hundred times. She loves B movie. Do you yeah. think B movie is better or Frozen? Um, Frozen. Ooh. Uh, okay. Okay. Take that, Seinfeld. I think I think Lulu might be the biggest Seinfeld fan in our house. And she does. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't even know it. <laughs> All right. Well, Lulu, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Did you like it? Yeah. Do you think you want to have your own radio show one day? Yeah. Yeah. If you had a show, what would you talk about? I would talk about Papa. All right. I'm into it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Lulu. You were great. Say Lulu out. Lulu out. And say rate and review us on iTunes. Rate the review things on (laughs) iTunes. Perfect. (laughs) Great. Thank you, Lulu. Uh, Um... So. <laughs> wow, I, I thought that she'd have a lot more to say, but yeah. um, she was really dazzled by this uh, curly cord thing. She was. She could not take her she fingers out of it. Couldn't take her fingers out of it. Um, you and I, you had me watch a uh, a classic movie that I hadn't seen this week. Yeah. That uh, I loved. I mean, really loved. Yeah. Uh, it was Troop. Is it Troop? Troop Bever- Beverly Hills. Troop Beverly Hills. What a thrill! I know. It was really. Oh, good. that's right. That was one of the songs, right? Yeah. I have that whole soundtrack memorized. Uh, you had expressed a soft spot for this movie, yeah. which is our other podcast. Yeah, and which I, uh, if you're into nostalgia, check it out. Check it out. The soft spot, Megan Julian. We yep. uh, we review or we just talk about like old stuff because new stuff isn't as good. No, it's really not. There's not a whole lot to get excited about these days. I had no idea True Beverly Hills was the story of a of a divorcing family. Yeah, I know. I thought it was like I thought it was like we're gonna take these spoiled girls into the woods and it's a disaster. That's what I thought it was gonna be. Well, the real bummer of it, and I think we we've touched on this on our show. Um, sh- movies like that where the kid is like, "Oh man, if my parents got back together, everything would be so much better. Yeah. They're so in love with each other." And that's like that's like never just not what, how it happening. really goes, man. <laughs> Sorry. No. Um. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, well, I interview my dad on yes, this episode. You do, and uh, you've met Bobby a couple times. I have, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say <laughs> about Dadden yeah. with you. Okay, so let's get to that. That's uh, takes place in North Carolina, and uh, this is, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back with my interview with my dad, Bobby McCullough. This is your two dads. Woo. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we'll be right back with more from my dad, Bobby McCullough. Uh, in the meantime, I need to talk to you guys about Ancestry DNA. Ancestry DNA is a truly meaningful gift with the power to connect families over the holidays. Look, I am actually talking to my father on this episode. It's a great feeling, and it's a feeling that you can't really get anywhere else, uh, which is part of why we do this podcast. But Ancestry DNA offers you that kind of feeling in a more, I don't know, uh, story-based like uh, background way that's, that's really, really cool. Um, every family has a story, and Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA is a gift that can bring them closer 
to their origins, and to each other. So see how the details of your family's past can spark new conversations with your family today. If you're on the fence, I gotta tell you, it's a one-of-a-kind feeling. You gotta check it out. It's really cool. Uh, Only Ancestry DNA uses the world's largest family history database to give a deeper and more detailed DNA story. You can combine what you learn from your DNA with over 100 million family trees and billions of records for more insight into your genealogy and origins. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash two dads. That's Ancestry.com slash the number two and dads to get your Ancestry DNA kit on sale today. So you, when did you you move to Alexander? How long ago, or Asheville? Asheville in two thousand one, and then Alexander in, in two thousand four. So I've been up where I am now about fifteen years. How'd you find it? By car. <laughs> you just drove around America until you found the right place. Well, I, yeah, I was heading. To, I came to North Carolina just because I had an idea. I'd like to go there, and I went out towards Charlotte first. Mm-hmm thinking I wanted to be around towns and maybe universities somewhere to be cultural events and a higher you know level of the arts or something mm-hmm. but then when Tommy came down to visit with me then we took a ride out to the west into the mountains and as soon as we saw that then we went oh we should come out here instead so I packed up from Mooresville which is near Ash- uh, Charlotte uh-huh. I lived there for less than a month I paid my month's rent and I actually apologized and left this nice older couple that was renting the home yeah i said i i well i didn't get my job there anyway it was going to be promised to me uh-huh and then it didn't work so it was easy so now i just packed up and, and moved a little farther out to Asheville in the mountains how has it changed since you got there are you happy about it or are you like well yeah because I, then it was uh, a small oasis you know in the middle of hillbillies and country and all yeah. that stuff and it was quite different from its surrounding areas, so it's a, it's unique in that sense. Not mm-hmm. like just any small town. And almost to the point where the people outside of the town wouldn't mind if it burnt down. <laughs> I've had guys say that. Yeah. They think it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, now we know it's like red state, blue state stuff, where it's like the rural versus the city center people are actu- the actual divide in this country, not north-south. It's like rural. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. So there's that stuff going on. Yeah, I think that that sensibilities. So Asheville is a liberal, uh, re, you know, area. Mm-hmm. Um, all the genders and all that stuff's going on. Yeah. And clean living and global warming is all that's all that. Yeah. You identify as male, right? Outside of that, <laughs> not the question mark. <laughs> That's, they put that in there. Oh, they did? Yeah. Yeah. GBTQ question mark. Okay. Or plus, they'll say. Oh, are you plus? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to make something out of all that. But, but anyway, the country people are really not like that at all, like mm-hmm. the town. And, uh, but I liked it because I've always liked the two worlds. Yeah. So, grow up in Philly, I think I'm a Philly hillbilly. <laughs> yeah, I like you're from Hillbilly Adelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. You grew up in uh you were born in Philly and you grew up in you started out you call it the projects. I don't know if we're still calling it that. Subsidized housing, I think we still we call it now, but Well, yeah, it did start there, but yeah, in my early childhood we did live in two different 
projects. Oh, okay. And one's from my grandparents. We were, I was born in the house that you were born in, uh-huh. which is unusual. Yeah. In North Philly, right? Yeah. North yeah. Philly. Yeah. And that was on the block, you know, row house in mm-hmm. Philly. But uh, because my parents were so young, they stayed with them for a while. Mm-hmm. Then my parents were divorced, separated and divorced for six years from the time I was six till 12. Mm-hmm. At that time, we lived in the projects. Okay. But they weren't like boarded windows, graffiti projects. They were just poor folks, mm-hmm. mostly single parents. Okay. Mostly absence of dads. <laughs> so how did that feel? Did that feel a little bit better or worse? Being having the well, the friends you would make there having a similar situation. Did you guys feel like, oh, we're the rejects, or did you feel like, oh, I have people here that kind of also know what it's like? I wasn't aware of that class consciousness. Okay, I was aware of when people would say, oh, he's from the projects. No, I mean the parent thing, the the absent father thing. Was it was it cool? Oh. Having friends that had the same situation? When I was between 6 and 12. Right? Right. So when you're 6, what do you know? Nothing. Like your daughter is 6 now. Yeah. So you know what she knows. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was 6, I knew I I was already felt uh, an aloneness, an independence, I'll call it. Um, A stubbornness, a resistance to authority, Mm -hmm. uh, structure. A defiance. Fuck yeah! Like, like, um, you got to be. When I, when my mom told me I had to go to school because my dad dropped me off the kindergarten, uh-huh. and I just didn't want to go, so I just walked around the city and then I went home. <laughs> and when I get home, mom says, "What are you doing here?" I go, "I live here." She said, "You got to be in school." I go, "I don't like school." Wow. She says, "They you got to go to school." I go, "What do you mean I got to go to school?" They make you. Who's they? yeah us you gotta go no not her they yeah so i'm like they i didn't like any of that yeah i'm trying to picture in goldie's world the thought of any of those kids rebelling at that level of like not going and just wandering the neighborhood i mean that's just something it also it feels kind of like a different time where that's even possible but uh i just don't know any kids i've never seen a kid in any of her classes that would do something like that they love it they seem to. I did have a love-hate with school. I love the learning mm-hmm. and all that stuff. You know? Yeah. It went too slow for me because they had, they had the class all mixed in with the stupid kids and the really bright kids. Were yeah. All in the same class. Right. So what speed does the teacher go? You know. Yeah. Slow. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I think that's, yeah. So, but that defiant streak definitely uh, didn't oh, so go anywhere. Thing. So at, um, the time we lived there was right in there. I was six till I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when we well when i was really younger than that i think we did the first project the next one was actually built as an army barracks during the second world war okay so when the war got over and they pulled the troops out then they made it residential and that was all you know the low-income housing Mm -hmm. or whatever uh some of the one of my friends did have a dad but it was worked against him he was a trucker Mm -hmm. and when he came home he beat his mom and beat him yeah and drank Mm mm-hmm and so you were aware like maybe my dad could be around but it's not always necessarily not a good opinion of men right from that Mm -hmm. because why they left all these families and women and then when i did see him they i wish i didn't 
<laughs> well, that's interesting because I, from a young age, I understood from you in a way that I probably wouldn't have been able to articulate necessarily, but that like machismo and macho dudes were like bad. And I don't know if you just like said that directly. You probably did. Mm-hmm. Or if I just kind of gleaned that from your philosophy. But yeah. like, I've never felt like, you know, the bad boy macho thing was like good in any way. Well, you're saying that in those terms, it sounds a little different. These were creeps. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I like him. I don't mind a macho guy. No, me neither. Not or, anymore. Or a guy that rides a motorcycle. But I was conflicted about guys ma- that, masculinity. That beat their wives and hurt their kids. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Even that, so I saw a lot of that as a kid. Yeah. It, it was very impressionable. Uh, I saw a lot of really bad things happen in the city as a kid that kids shouldn't see. Mm-hmm. Violence abuse and all that sort of thing yeah and not the worst i'm not comparing myself to somebody that really has a problem with it but i mean i saw it around and i could feel it right and I, I guess i'm stressing that i felt on my own since i was in kindergarten mm-hmm. i didn't have a female figure at home my sister was too young she's three you know yeah my mom was the one that was there and when i went out the house it was up to me what i'm doing how i do it as long as i got home after school, took my school clothes off because my mom always treated me very well. No matter how poor we were, we had really nice clothes to wear. Mm-hmm. She would always do that for the school year. So after school, I'd go right home, change my clothes into my play clothes, they call them. Then I'd go out and there was no, no problems. Get home by the supper time or whatever, come in when it's dark at night. You know, mm-hmm. don't get arrested and you're good. Yeah. So As I really felt I'd learned a, a way of getting along independently. And being out in a big city when you're that little, that young, you see all the hard guys, the creeps, yeah, the things that can go wrong, mm-hmm. the commotion. And so I just figured that out myself. I was a rambling guy. I always wanted to go different neighborhoods, and I'd run everywhere. I'd take the, the trolley downtown, or, you know, the, the L downtown, the trolleys everywhere, fishing, everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized I always felt insecure, like, because you better, you know, you better be looking out. Yeah, there's a lot of bad things that could happen to you. Yeah. Just so anyway, but I think that's important because I didn't have a father figure mm-hmm. at that time. But you said so. He pops comes back at twelve, and that's a that's a very interesting age to have a male figure all of a sudden come back. Right. Because that's when we go through puberty, and you know yeah. we're trying to like. And I don't want to say he was totally out of the picture all that time. Hold it close. Mm-hmm. He was always. Um, we'd see him once a week usually. Uh-huh. But on weekends when I had to get dressed up and then he would take us to an art museum or a fine restaurant or a uh, park or yeah, it was like I an never event. would go to on my own. Yeah, parenting is not an event to sport. To me, I'd love to just come out my door out back of the alley and hit the streets. My boys are all there. Yeah. Everybody is there. We all do something. That, that was life. So having to get dressed up for my dad to come pick me up and we go and do all, and get our it was just like outside of life and he was into photography so he'd take our pictures dressed mm-hmm. up you know what i mean it was that's the first thing when my mom said your dad's coming over <laughs> sunday at, at 10 i go oh, do we have to get dressed up yes <laughs> like, <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> then i know but looking back i was grateful that he took us he cultured us we got to see art museums architecture yeah got to dress up nice you know and go to these nice places and all that yeah know? So, like in the street, you know, in the city, we didn't even have a car. You know, we didn't right. go anywhere. I went to school and home. And that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. So. How did uh? How was your relationship 
with Yam Pops when you were a teenager? Very good, actually. Mm-hmm. I think my dad was feeling a little funny when he came back. I didn't fight him or anything about it, you know. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, you got a dad, that's nice. Yeah. You know. But he saw that, uh-oh, he's a probably already, <laughs> he's got his ways, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, you're oh. like a fully formed 12-year-old. Well, something. <laughs> yeah. But for whatever reason, he didn't really meddle much. Uh, oh, okay. He kind of let you left you to your own devices for the most part? Yeah. What were some hard rules that you knew he had, though? Like, because I know, or yeah, like, was there, were there certain things you're just like, I don't, I'm not going to mess with this rule? Or not really? Yeah, but I'll... You were telling me before we started, you've always had your own code. Yeah. So was that always just no, how you... I didn't have to tow a new line or anything because I realized that the things that were really important to him, I already... You I agreed with it. Yeah, okay. Like, don't sass your mom. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I would occasionally lose my temper and sass, I know it's wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry I did that. Whatever. Right. Um, oh, you got to tell him... Well, this was later, when you're accountable for where you are. Like, I have to call in by a certain time. Yeah. We didn't have phones and stuff, you know, check in. or So those things might would be important, like, mm-hmm. to let you know, like, communication in a way. Do you remember that that was one of the only rules you had for me? <laughs> you, We had a rule once I started leaving the house at, like, 14, 15, that I had to call at 7. Oh. If I wasn't home, I had yeah. to call at seven. And I remember having such a hard time with that yeah. and wanting to get away with it and shit, you know? <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. it was really funny that uh, that's that's a rule that you, you took into your parenting that you didn't even remember that you did. But because yeah. you only had like two rules. The first one was be yourself and the second one was call at seven. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I did worry too. My, when my, in fact, that very year when my dad came back, we were still in Philly. Mm-hmm. And that was the segue. Like, he started it there where we had already been living. <clears throat> and then we moved over to the suburbs. Um, Willingboro. Yeah. And that was a, that's a more drastic change than having my dad come back. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Because um, you went from a, a subsidized housing to, a, like, a house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With a lawn. With a lawn and, and, and a driveway. And, like, the neighbor was, like, way over there. Yeah. <laughs> You can't hear him through the wall. Yeah. But my dad did it, and he started not making a lot of money, but he made enough, and he really thought it was a, a stretch to get that house. You know yeah. What I mean? And was really trying to, like, get, get back with the family and really go in a positive new way and all that, right? And so we moved over there, and I think I, I was upset and depressed and cried for, like, a year Yeah, over there because I, I wanted to go back to the city. Mm-hmm. And... How old were you? Sorry. If I were to apologize. Like thir- are you to, like 13 at this point? I'm 12, yeah. A 12, okay. We moved in the middle of the school year also. Yeah, that's that's shitty. That's hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm 12. And we moved to the suburbs. And so when I go, and he didn't take me to school the first day. He had Rockin's father take me to school the first day. <laughs> oh, my God. I can only imagine. And it's way the fuck outside of town. If I tried that, right? sh- if I tried something like that with Goldie the sh- so he drops me off it's the middle of school year it's december <laughs> i love i can't believe pops and didn't take you to school yeah he's not even my family he, <laughs> we call him uncle but he ain't my uncle right uncle frank right yeah his best friend you know dude. yeah and he sees the school he goes there it is you know like over there see ya yeah i get out i walk in there and i go i'm in the wrong school like all these kids are way older and way bigger than me yeah 
No, I was in the right school. In fact, I was the highest grade in that middle school. You know, it's because you were you, know? you didn't have any direct sunlight in the city, so you weren't growing. <laughs> no, <laughs> these, I wasn't. These farm kids are getting, uh, no, you know, nutrients. Another, no, I was. I was four foot nine uh-huh. and weighed 75. At 12? In eighth grade. Is that small? That's small. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's like fourth grade. <laughs> oh, yeah, because my, yeah. my first baseball card, I still have it, Yeah, was when I was uh, 10. And I was 72 pounds. Uh, and you were 12 and 75 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And 4'9". I made the freshman basketball team with those stats. <laughs> you were like Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, basketball jersey, the smallest one, the armpits went down into the uh, waist to... of the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> you tucked the holes into the shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and the bottom one was coming out the bottom of the shorts. Yeah. I was laughed at by the other team's fans when I went out on the court. Oh, they man. They were all going, look at that shit. I'm like, yeah, I'm out here, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. But anyway, so I was a little shrimp. But anyway, so that's what happened on my first day of school there. But that was the hardest part was going from the really urban city life on the block mm-hmm. to suburban life where it, it was scary. There was... Yeah. It's dark at night and there's nobody out. They're not hanging out under the street light. They're yeah. Like you go out and there's nobody on the street. You got to call somebody up or go knock for them. And I don't know where, you know. That's what we don't like. What do you do here? I don't know how you do this. That's what we don't like about Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a city, but it's like that where uh-huh. you go out and there's just, it's just dark. There's no one around. Yeah. And they're, everyone's in their house. And I hate it. I really don't like it. Yeah. New York is like, you know, everybody's out all the time. I just couldn't get used to it. Yeah. You know. And so I met a friend there, and, he, and I was into football the most. About the size I was, <laughs> I loved football. Yeah. And I wanted to go to football camp. Uh-huh. Can you? Can I go to football camp? Like, yeah. I don't. I know it's expensive, but just for a week, I gotta. You know. Yeah. I gotta hit somebody. And I go there, and down the down the street, there I met a guy, Jerry Engelman, and he was loved football just like me. Only well, he was like linebacker size. Yeah. You know, he's a real, real representative. And. Uh, we got along great, and then and within a month, he moves. Oh, man. The family moves, so I lost the only friend I made. Yeah. I remember it those. But, um, so anyway, we segued into that pretty good, and you asked me the original was how I got along with my parents as a teenager. And I say very well, because they didn't ever get in my business. So that you think giving a teenager space to do it on their own a lot of ways is, is felt good to you as a teenager? It was like we we didn't have to talk about specifically anything as long as they felt the guidelines were being adhered to. Right. Like, yeah, he's all right. Let him go. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But what I did miss was guidance. Now, I don't mean this to be a indictment of my father or anything. I'm just saying we didn't have much of that. Mm-hmm. We talked. We were free to talk about anything at the, at the dinner table. So, and it was always late because my dad got home so late. Yeah. You know, eight nine o'clock we'd be eating supper and but then we weren't so you had to wait to eat for pops to get home so your stomach is growling terrible it's terrible and my mom wouldn't let me eat in in the middle i say mom (laughs) give me something hold me over you gotta give me something i'd beg what would she say she's got no you gotta wait would she say you're not gonna die (sighs) not really but she just wouldn't we wouldn't give it up it was just like no and then she might give in on a little something but a cracker? Yes. I, <laughs> no, no, no. You're killing me here. And then the phone would ring, and uh, I'd he's, hear him again. i go, oh, shit. He's calling because he's going to be later. It's another delay. And so it would just be one after another. Uh, 
and it's my favorite one. I'm just leaving the office now. <laughs> I said, did he leave? No, he's leaving. I go, that's, that's it. That ain't it. No, that's not getting it. Then I know in a half hour the phone rings again. He's still there. See? Yeah. <sighs> you know, it's that Jerry Jeff Walker song. Uh, just drink lots of water, boy, and move real slow. <laughs> we used to do that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what's funny is even as his grandson, mm-hmm. I witnessed that plenty of times. Oh, yeah. Of him calling. I've yeah. been at the office when he's called, yeah. and I've been on the other end when Yah answers. Yeah. When it's, I'm leaving. And she would hang up and go, he's not coming. No. You know. Anyway, go ahead. But when we were kids, she always tried to make it sound right to us. Yeah. Oh, he, he'll be here in no time. You know, He's in Philly. We're in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. You <laughs> we don't have cell phones. He called from Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Um, but our, our supper table was, like I say, uh, open for any kind of topic. No profanity. Did you feel comfortable bringing up anything in, at the dinner table, or did you feel like you couldn't do that? Well, you know how I am. Whether I felt comfortable or not, I just was bringing it up. Okay. You know, I'll give an example. So if you got something on your mind, even to this day, you don't keep it in. You don't think. Oh yeah, I do. I. I um. I'll tell you what. The thoughts I have aren't dependent on others, but whether I tell them might be dependent on others. Mm-hmm. In other words, like you said, if I'm going to make somebody feel poorly, why bother? Yeah. Um, just as needed kind of thing mm-hmm. let you find out if you don't know why do i oh, why yeah. do i got to tell you you know what i mean right whatever but i'll give you one example uh because it was important this was later after we've been living there a few years and i'm in high school and vietnam was raging starting to mm-hmm. and being the first tv war people thought they knew it was going on in vietnam because it would be on the news each night yeah However, what they showed on the news was not the whole story and was sort of bullshit. And I had been gone to these uh, weekly meetings for a little while in Morristown in the basement of a hardware store. They, you know, the hardware used to be. Oh, yeah. On Main Street? Yeah. Well, what's that place called? Do you remember? Nah, I can't remember. Frank? It was uh, okay. something else. Um, anyway, <laughs> you went down steps, you know, down in a basement, really. It was underground. Mm-hmm. I mean, that because the people were underground. And it, it was run by uh, Morristown being a Quaker town where they had, the Quakers had the school. They had a French yeah, school. Yeah, and they're pacifists. Right? Yeah. It was run by the Quakers. They had pamphlets, brochures. They would show short movie film clips and talk about Vietnam War and what are we going to do about it. Part of it was if you didn't want to go in, what are you going to do? And mm. I was not going to go in for sure. I could feel that that would be the end of my life. One right. way or another, whether I got killed or not. It was a meat grinder. Even if I didn't get killed, I, I knew somehow. Oh. And I would say I did not it would mature change. as fast as a lot of people. I was still a kid. Mm-hmm. But I had an intellectual maturity because I read so much, I think. Mm-hmm. Some kind of experiential thing going on. But I could sense it, that that is pure death and danger. That even if I didn't get killed, it would ruin my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be ruined. Right. It's going to ruin everything. No way can I handle that. So I plan to um, evade did, it. And did, go you to have an, did you have an, an awareness that you were more sensitive or less sensitive than the average kid? Is that why you thought you'd be ruined or you just figured Possibly. this would ruin anybody? Well, for one thing, the military, the way all those, that's completely opposite to the way I felt. 
Yeah. Like tell you what to do, when to do it, what to wear. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're not doing yeah. that at all. Right. But this was beyond that. Now we're talking about your life, too. Mm -hmm. See? Yeah. So you're giving up your liberty and possibly your life and your sanity. And how I knew that, I don't know, but I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I always feel the same way. Sex feels great, and I don't care why. Mm -hmm. You know? So fucking go with it. Mm -hmm. You know? So I, I looked around, what do I do? Well, they say don't fail to register. Then, then you're, a, you're illegal right now in your country. They'll go arrest you, and you'll be in a whole world. If of you shit. don't register. Don't register. Mm -hmm. But I was too young to register anyway at that time. So, but what I are you like 15? Is that is that around? About 16. 16. 15, 16, 16. And you're supposed to register when you're 18? 18, 18? Okay. 18. So I was planning to go to Canada. Mm -hmm. Canada was friendly about it. They'll let you in. But you can't come back. Right. And the conditions on when you'll be able to come back were vague. No one knew. Vague. So they said, to be sure, make pretend you can't. Mm -hmm. If you're still willing to go, then okay. It's, mm -hmm. You're going to leave your family and friends behind, your country that you know, and you're not going to be able to come back. We don't know if you ever or how long. And I said, mm, that's a tough one. And this is back in the 60s, so Canada only had like a couple dozen people. Yeah, <laughs> all in one spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's an example. I, they knew I was going to these peace meetings. Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to them. Oh, they knew? Vietnam, okay. And I talked about Vietnam. I said, all the things going over, over there that you don't see, napalm and villages and things. I just saw it. Right. And and in fact, I don't intend to go in there. You got to quit? No. That's when I would have liked a little discussion and guidance. Mm -hmm. And I, did, I don't remember any. Okay. You see? If you imagine being a 16-year-old kid like that in those situations. You're that scared, yeah. And now I'm going to I'm gonna do this and leave y'all, and then you don't hear anything. But you were going to go, I mean, why were you worried about it? No offense. I, I take, uh, I, it's a, your fear around this thing was is valid to me, but it was two years away. I mean, it doesn't seem like it was urgent uh, at the level that, in other words, you're, is it possible that Yon Pops were like, this isn't a problem yet? No, because they wanted you to go before you got in trouble. Are you talking about register? Oh, 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 See? to go to Canada. Yeah, your status changes if you break the law a lot here. Right. But if I go there before that and then I'm and I don't do it, you could be like, I was going for something else. No, then you're not <laughs> in the same thing, I guess. Yeah. But but really, they say no. The, the preparation it takes a while. Okay. That you want to plan this out and really figure so where this you're going to go, what you're going to do. Because mm -hmm. you're just a kid. You don't know anybody up there. Right. We have certain contacts. It was almost like the Underground Railroad for the slaves. They yeah. had that kind of network. But there's nothing guaranteed. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's going to hold your hand, you know. And you were going to, there was a really good chance you were going. If, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the draft was out on. And... Um, but the, the thing is, you got to deferment it if you were in college. So I went to college for the whole first year of college, I would have had a deferment. I didn't need it because I wasn't old enough yet. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of strange. I yeah. wasted a whole year of college. <laughs> and then when I got out the next summer, I registered. And now I'm vulnerable. And I did not go back to college. Ah, uh, you so, did it the worst way. Yeah. So then right there now, it's... So what ended up happening? You just didn't get... Well, I waited. I got a lottery system. You get a number. Mm -hmm. And I got a, a high number. And they only could estimate, but they thought they wouldn't reach that number. And once you don't reach it that year, you're out. Oh, okay. So when you... My number was over 200. My friend got 21. Oof. 
and they took him. But, um, and he ended up getting out of it. Oh, he did? A squinky way. Okay. I can't talk about it. All right. And now he's president. <laughs> uh, so, uh, okay, so then he went to college. Anyway, we just talked about that because you asked what kind of uh, discussion. That was, was when you would have guidance. And, and you brought that, that up. one case where I could have used something. The other, I think, common one was maybe not in real detail, but something about girls and sex. Right. Just basic stuff. Like, don't do that, at least. Or, you know, watch mm. out for this or whatever. Just something like that. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, you know, I, I enjoyed the freedom. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I can see how, what's that called? Permissiveness. That was an issue. And certain generations, like nowadays, people treat their kids, even though they don't think so, there's fads that go in child rearing. Yeah, I can definitely. See mm-hmm. And and then there was permissiveness because before that, people were really held down in the 50s mm-hmm. and the 40s. They were really, parents, if they were had control, they used it. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. It was, a, it was a tight ship at home. That's why you had the rebellion in the 50s mm-hmm. because they're just like, ah, I can't take it no more, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's like a prison. Yeah. It was too much, they, you know. If they didn't squeeze so tight, they could they wouldn't have had to have to do that. But yeah, and then the pendulum swung. So the our other whole way. culture did that, and so the '60s was that let it out, right? You know, and then the '70s was permissive. Mm-hmm. But um, permissive is, is an excess. I think it's not good. You can be right. liberal, you can be uh, reasonable, but don't be permissive. What does that mean to you, permissive? It more or less means do anything you want to do. And. They'll say as long as it doesn't hurt. So wait, are you are no. you categorizing your the Yom Pop style as permissive or as not permissive? Because you said they had guidelines, but they weren't really like well. I think too permissive. Strict. You don't even argue about it. Oh, what I would like is if you try and do something and somebody fights back on it, mm-hmm. and then you work it out. Right. That's not permissive. Right. You might get what you want, but you had to earn it. Mm-hmm. Permissive. You don't have to earn anything. Your kids just run and do whatever they want. You see, yeah. until it's something bad, and they go, "Oh, we got to fix that." Right. That, that's ass backwards. You see. So when you uh, became a dad to me, and you when you met mom, she already had Par. Yeah. But you guys dated for a very short time before you had me, so it wasn't like you. Yeah, were... but I think it's significant, even though the time wasn't very long, that I felt like a dad already before you were born. Okay. Was a Par. Right. And the reason was because after your mom and I were together for a short while, we realized it was deep, you know, we were, yeah. we were in it. Uh, she said, what do I do with Parley? Uh, what, the relationship between you and her, what do we do? I said, ask her. So I remember sitting, she was sitting in the kitchen one day and says to Par. Wait, I don't understand the question. Well, she says, Par, you're going to call him Bobby or dad? Oh, that way. That's it. She goes, didn't take one second, dad. And I, I got to say, when I heard her say that, I was like choked up. Yeah. I, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I didn't expect it. Mm-hmm. And it's because until you have a kid, then you don't know what that means. Right. You know. So right from that, that day, I felt like a dad. Yeah. Yeah. Or tried to. I mean, felt like one, didn't know how to be one. But I mean, I was, I, was, I felt, oh, yeah, that's what I am now. Yeah. Gladly. But I don't know what I'm doing, so I have to learn it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, um you know it just happened you know or, or you know what i mean it was it was it was yeah mm-hmm. 
for whatever reason, Parr didn't have any hesitation. Right. And she was uh, four and a half, yeah. five or so? Uh, four, yeah. Uh, yeah, four and a half. She's born in March, and I met your mom in September. Okay. And then, uh, and then you had me. And so, did so you? You were born the next May. Yeah, right away. Mm-hmm. So I went from totally least likely guy to ever have a family mm-hmm. to having a wife and two kids. And like, I talked to people I hadn't seen in like eight months, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is more common back then because there's no internet, there's you're, no cell phones. Fast, man. Yeah, you already so, got a four. <laughs> I remember you telling me, but when you met. Um, by the way, I had a similar experience with Lulu when she first called me Papa. I was uh-huh. like totally blown away, yeah. and you know it was it was pretty crazy. Yeah, because you know you have a kid as a baby, you know they don't you don't ask them. They're just yeah, that's, that's who you are. Yeah. So, but it still it still means something a little bit different when that every day when yeah. she calls me Papa, it feels something. It just feels a little different in a great way. Yeah. From when Goldie calls me. Well, she also calls me but Papa. Also but also, she and Lulu has a father that she sees. Yeah. Whereas He's, Harley had, has no idea, never saw her father. Right. Doesn't want, care one bit about it. Right. That's different. Um, the uh, what was it? oh, so because when you met mom, you had I think you told me this once. You had a guitar and a bike, and that's pretty much it. And my stereo. But and a stereo. That was my girlfriend I was breaking up with. Oh, okay. Susan. Yeah. In fact, I was still living with her, and the first so-called date that your mom and I did was not really a date after work we went down with my bicycle and her walking uh-huh. to the corner bar and we got drunk listening to the jukebox yeah and then went to my apartment where my girlfriend was because we, <laughs> we lived together yeah right uh-huh. and so picture this so I walk in with a new girlfriend we're both drunk uh-huh. and I asked can I borrow her car and she said yes <laughs> <laughs> it's the 70s <laughs> it's very permissive so I remember we went out to a jazz club that night in her car, and mm. uh, everything was cool. That's great. But yeah, I moved out of the bedroom into the living room, mm-hmm. and we were still living together for many months. We were good friends. Yeah. So that's the way we started, you know? Right. So she met your mom like that. Like we, we came in drunk and asked for a car. Right. <laughs> uh, so then how did you develop your parenting style? Did you just think? Of, did you even think about it, or you just started doing it? Did yeah. you do you remember thinking my parents did it this way, so I'm going to do it this way, different or the same or whatever? Or do you remember just uh, th- thoughts about wanting to do something differently or the same as you were raised? You know what I felt? I guess uh, no, I didn't have that consciousness about it. I think inbred in me was my parents, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody seems to do what their parents did. Yeah, but, you know, to some extent at first. Yeah, so they go oh, uh, nah, or yay, wonder you know. Or take some, leave the rest, whatever. But I didn't feel that way. I was never conscious of it that way. What I tried to do was just maintain the way I'd always lived, and now we, there's more of us. Mm-hmm. It sounds funny, but that's that's just the way it went. You mm-hmm. know, you got other people to think about. Um, but that's true whether it's a friend or or family. In mm-hmm. other words, if you're used to doing things on your own, which I was, then it's it's a hard adjustment to to accommodate others yeah okay so now i had to accommodate uh kids which i never anticipated didn't want or anything like mm-hmm. in other words like i was saying before i, I would have been the ones that likely not to have kids right you know mm-hmm. and the reasons being too independent minded or whatever you know so also being an alternative 
not agreeing with the most way things society went or whatever. Mm-hmm. I always had that situation, so it wasn't new to me. But I thought, oh, now we're thrown into a more normal range. Uh, I noticed one thing that was happening is I got a lot more um, respect from strangers. Just for I'm being a, a family guy. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm the same old son of a bitch. Yeah. You know? But, um, <laughs> oh, should I not be cussing? Oh, no, it's okay. This is one of the cleanest episodes we've had. Okay. Because I've been holding back. Oh, yeah. No, you can say whatever you want. All right. I'm trying to clean it up, though. Yeah. Uh, so you know what I'm saying it's like if we were doing something it was not going to look like the normal family like my family went when my parents were raising us right because they well I I boil all down to this some people tuck in their shirts I don't right that's the difference between my dad and me Mm -hmm. and it's a huge difference right it's a lifestyle difference Um, but we do the same kind of things you know you see what I mean? Yeah. Just a little. I remember um, even... Also, like you and Par were raised, you, you, you noticed there weren't a lot of kids around. No. We didn't have friends that had kids. No. So it not that's not normal either. Like you met kids at school and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have friends that had kids or anything like that. Right. That wasn't happening. I remember that. This is so in San all, Francisco. All this is like... are looking at us like, whoa, how do you deal with that? You know, like, I don't know, you just do it, you know? Right. It wasn't. It's all set up. It, you know, kids go to school and then and then and that's the way it goes. Yeah, it's like that's our American way. Do you remember feeling stressed out a lot? Just about trying to make money enough. Yeah. Other than that, no. I love family life. I, that was my favorite time. And you probably go, oh no, we hated it. But <laughs> <laughs> you're an asshole. No. But, uh, no. And I look. No, back, but you were the disciplinarian. I really did like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was able to your mom was great I was able to be who I whatever the fuck I wanted to do It'll, you know just make the money be home love us all and do the right thing what's so hard yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. so I was good yeah you know, um, I was able to mix all those worlds and really enjoy it but I really enjoyed having a home to come home to a family like I was just we just do the stupid shit sit around and watch uh, Roseanne right. yeah yeah and it was like this is great Everybody just felt good with each other. Mm-hmm. and uh, So really, it was just financial stuff I that did. was... Huh? Then I'm like, oh, fuck rent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, if it weren't for money problems, I wouldn't have had any problems. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. There's never fighting between you and mom. No, there no. was never... Uh, I mean, Par and I had a healthy fear of you, but I think that that's good in a way. Yeah, in a way. Um like you're saying about being sorry and all i'm sorry to you personally because i know many times i did i screwed up like it was just flat out bad wrong (laughs) i didn't know that yeah well i'm not we just did that kind of stuff i'm not trying to i'm not trying to pin you on anything but i know if i was listening to this and i wasn't and i didn't know you yeah or or, and barely knew me i would want to hear a specific example and and i'm about like a time that you feel like you let me down and I'm not trying to do oh, this oh, like because yeah. I got some oh, sure. fucking axe no, to grind I feel bad about him and I can't feel any worse right <laughs> <laughs> but the most important one was when uh, when mom was dying and we both went up there the first day mm-hmm. and I think it was and and we're in that middle room and she was on her hospital bed thing which she didn't like yeah remember mm-hmm. 
and then you started talking about something because her and I were talking about something and it wasn't a question or anything mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you just um, started to feel bad and broke up started crying and stuff yeah and oh you were saying something like I don't know you're just lost like you say I don't know who I am or what's going on here I can't, I'm, you know you're having troubles right and started losing it and, and I, well, I was in a terrible fucking marriage, is what I was in. Well, whatever reason, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. But there's mom, and uh, there's mom, and there's you, and and I didn't react like I should have. Mm -hmm. I should have just gone over and gave you a hug. Yeah. And she goes, "Go hug him," <laughs> like that. You see what I mean? No, yeah. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was always that guide for me. Right. I never, never found fault when she said something like that. It was right. Yeah. That's why I married her. Right. I never ran into a person where I was like I didn't have to worry about it. If yeah. she said, do that. This is the right thing to that's do. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I didn't think of it in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I have that with Meg where I'm like, when so, it comes to that kind of stuff, like that emotional stuff, it's yeah. like she's, if she's ever wrong, mm -hmm. that's fine yeah. because it's the one time she's going to be wrong and sure. I'll still back it up. Yeah. And really that, that's part of your, your hard work is to figure what, what that is, the no or more so, so you can find those. Yeah, I need to get there you know, faster. They do have on them. my own. They do have them. At first, you don't think they do. Yeah, <laughs> but no, everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, but anyway, that one I really uh, would like to take back. I apologize to you right now. Actually, I'm sorry. Oh well, but I I didn't comfort you. Then. I appreciate that, but I I remember I re see I remember that I exact. Thought, oh, exactly. That's what he needs. You know. Yeah. Fuck all the other stuff. We're not talking about things here. It doesn't matter what the things are. Right. That's what she was saying. Yeah. Just just, just go hug him. Yeah. And, she, and what also was very important about that is you know how bad off she was at the time mm -hmm. and that she was able to say that in an insistent way. Mm -hmm. That was remarkable because I knew she drifted far enough that, that she didn't do very much of that. Right. We, In fact, her and I didn't talk about anything when she was Difficult. going through that whole thing. Anything. Right. She did not want to or we would have. I was, I was ready to lay down and do anything. Whatever she wanted to do, that's what we were doing. And she never wanted to bring anything up from the past, talk about... Oh, she didn't want to. Nothing like that, no. And so emotional stuff did not come out in that way. If she said something, it was a matter of fact. It could be an emotional statement. Yeah. But it was just like a dry fact. Mm-hmm. You know, do this, you love them. You right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that. That's right, interesting. So, yeah. Mm. Um, so, that, so I made it more poignant. Yeah. Saying that she came out of that shell and, that and said that that weak state that quickly reacted that quickly see mm -hmm. see now i remember that moment differently because i don't think that i knew that i just needed a hug either i think i am very content focused and i think that i was probably looking for what i what i thought i was looking for was for you to say the right thing or for her to say the right thing or for me to get out what I needed to get out. Yeah. And the thought that it was just about an understanding hug probably didn't enter my mind well, until no, she said it either. Fixed, uh, solved the problem. But it was the thing to but, do. But it was the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I remember... Uh, you start there is what I'm saying. You do that first. Yeah. And then you work out your shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember saying like... It, that moment what I was talking about was also not only like I didn't know what I was doing or you know and I didn't and I didn't know how to have the courage to change it at the time I wish I had I wish I had had the courage to be like I'm in a bad situation and I need to start mm -hmm. making a lot of changes to fix it but I just wasn't doing that yeah well yeah it was a tough time it, it was, was a really tough time I mean just just the thing with your mom was hard enough right so so uh 
like I didn't worry about that. I understood that. I just didn't think it was for me to meddle with. Mm-hmm. You know, like what could I do? But I remember saying to you, like, I never thought that the way I was living my life was you something you were okay with. Where that, like, uh, like what we were talking about before we started this show, which is like the way I handle situations in a non-direct way where I can be shady, where I can be, you know, uh, get what I need, not the way that is noble or, or straightforward. I always got to do it like the crooked way. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but then the comedy thing was like, not really. Um, I think that you respect comedy. We loved watching stand-up comedy when I was a kid and we had that as a bond together but i always felt like my style of comedy was not what you were into and that's what i was saying to you when i broke down i think i think it was about like that i didn't think that the way that i lived my life was something that you approved of and then you said you you were confused by that and you look confused by it now um but you looked genuinely like like you had no idea that that's how i felt right and then I think that might have contributed to you not hugging me right away because you were probably like, where the fuck is this coming from, mm-hmm. you know? And then, but you did say no, everything, I, I mean, you, I'll, I'll tell you because you probably don't remember saying this and it's nice to hear when you do something nice. Um, you said everything you do is golden. That was the sentence you used. And it's oh, funny yeah. because eventually uh, Goldie's name is Goldie and I never forgot that sentence. Oh. And that yeah, it happened before Goldie came along. But that sentence was like, oh, okay, I was, I've been wrong this whole time. I just, it's, it's like something I just thought I didn't ever go, I never yeah. went to you and said, D- is this an issue until that moment? Yeah. You know? Um, all right. Okay. We really got to stop. Cause I don't want to make our producer edit too much, okay. but, uh, yeah, that's good. This has been a comedy central podcast. <laughs>